What's going on, guys? And welcome into the pregame presser with Alexander Plant and Sean McDonald. Unfortunately, Sean couldn't make it to the recording of this episode, so we're going to have to go on without him. But I hope everybody's having a great day, and we're going to get ready to talk about Alabama versus Kentucky. This weekend marks the seventh matchup for the Alabama Crimson Tide as they host the Kentucky Wildcats in Tuscaloosa at 3 o'clock Central Time on Saturday. Coming off an extremely rare, what some would call a double bye week, Alabama has a lot of energy, excitement, and rest coming into this game, which is something that is very rare during this part of the season for Alabama. Usually this is coming off of a LSU or ranked SEC opponent like uh, Mississippi State. However, uh, last week's LSU game was postponed until later because of a COVID outbreak from the LSU Tigers. So Alabama, after their bye week, got some unexpected rest, which obviously I think will play well into their hands going forward into the rest of the season. Uh, Today's matchup versus Kentucky is what most would call a cleanup game for Alabama, although, you know, Nick Saban never likes to overlook an opponent. Uh, Kentucky Kentucky is 3-4 and with their only victories being versus Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Obviously not the best opponents to beat. Uh, They've lost to Georgia, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Missouri, which Alabama has beat three of those four and will face Auburn later in the season. Uh, Alabama beat those teams pretty handily. Uh, Today, Alabama is a 30-point favorite going into this game, Uh, so there's not much quote-unquote competition, as most would say, coming into this game. However, Alabama has a lot to prove today because they have to show what they can do off a double bye week, which is very important. Um, Nick Saban has always coached well after a bye week. The bye week always seems to come for this team uh, after three or four games at the beginning of the season to kind of hit the reset button whenever SEC play starts. And then their second bye week usually comes in the middle of their SEC stretch. So they usually play three games before, have a bye week. They play uh two or three games after this year they're going to be playing two games after the bye week they'll be this year they were supposed to play four games after the bye week with LSU Kentucky Auburn and Arkansas however those plans have changed now they're only going to play three uh, maybe four if LSU could figure out uh, rescheduling with Florida and Alabama at the same time with only a one-week gap but anyways let's get into the offense so on offense after a double bye week Alabama has to come out and run the football. Just because that is the most important portion of the game in college football today, almost every single team can pass the ball. Almost every single team is centered around passing the ball, establishing the run, especially later in the season when it gets to tougher competition, uh, is extremely crucial because it makes the defense slash defensive coordinators game plan more, stacking the box and trying to stop the run rather than sitting back only rushing, you know, three or four down linemen, just like what most SEC teams are doing with Mississippi State this year. Uh, Mississippi State had a, a tremendous amount of success versus LSU in the opener. However, since then, they are one and five and have not been able to get a solid victory yet. 
Uh, it is mainly because of what you saw that Alabama and Texas A&M did, which is dropping eight players back into coverage and only rushing three. That type of air raid offense would be phenomenal in the SEC if Mississippi State could establish the rush. And I think that's what Alabama does well whenever it comes to playing tough opponents or even just SEC opponents, is that Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, John Mechie third, they're extremely talented on the outside, going over the top, throwing screens, throwing slants. It doesn't matter. They're all projected you know, first, second round picks in this draft and in the next draft. So I think that you're going to see, obviously, a lot of playmaking from those people. The most important thing to do, though, is to do the unexpected, which is run the football in today's college football game. And with a Heisman potential candidate in Najee Harris, there is so much potential to make the defense switch their game plan from trying to stop Mac Jones to try to stop Najee Harris. And either way you go with this Alabama team, it's unlike most. It It's really hard to stop one or the other, let alone just one of them. Currently, uh, according to Vegas Insider, Mac Jones is tied for first in the Heisman Trophy odds. He has had a phenomenal season, throwing for twenty, almost 2,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, only two interceptions, on a 78.5% completion percentage, which is out of this world uh, compared to other Heisman-tier quarterbacks. His quarterback rating is a 210.3% which is top five in the NCAA currently. Uh, I think he owes a lot of his success to his extremely talented offensive group. This offensive line, in my opinion, is the most talented offensive line that Alabama has had in the Saban era. This running back with Najee Harris is the most diverse in the Saban era. He's, he may not be the best, but he is the most diverse in terms of being able to catch the pass and being able to run the ball both inside and outside. And not to mention, even without Jalen Waddell, John Mechie III, Slade Bolden, and Devontae Smith are all tremendous NFL talent wide receivers. I mean, you couldn't honestly ask for more in an offense and then not to mention that there's a defense that seems to be awake now. As uh, Devonta Smith said, you know, you guys have woken up a monster when he was talking to the media about their criticism for the defense. The defense has been phenomenal ever since the second half of the Georgia game. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So, you know, Mac Jones has a lot of talent. He throws a fantastic deep ball. He reads the pocket well. Uh, his motion when it comes to throwing is extremely fluid but a lot of his success can be attributed to this top tier talent that Alabama has accrued for this season but more importantly now let's hop right into the defense Kentucky's offense does not face much of a challenge for this Alabama defense however you know Alabama has struggled at some points during the season especially early uh, I really don't see that happening here however However, Kentucky's dual-threat quarterback, Terry Wilson, could pose a potential problem for the Alabama defense. Alabama's defense has tended to struggle against dual-threat quarterbacks, as we've talked about many times during the season, and I think that Terry Wilson is indeed the biggest threat in terms of a dual-threat quarterback that Alabama will face this year. Uh, right now, he has 712 yards in the air and 334 yards on the ground. Uh, just his escapability is 
otherworldly in terms of comparing him to other SEC quarterbacks. I think that, you know, um, Mark Stoops, the head coach for Kentucky, is going to try to focus on moving those Alabama linebackers in and outside of the box with covering Terry Wilson on the outside run just so that he can maybe try to open up the middle run game for his running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr. I mean, there's not much to say in terms of this Kentucky offense. It has not been the most fruitful of the SEC offenses this year. However, you know, anybody can get ready to play and do well on a Saturday. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're Vanderbilt or Alabama, anybody can really come out and play a great game. And I think that Kentucky obviously is fired up to come into Alabama's house and play the number one ranked team in the country. But what I'm most focused on is the play of this defensive back core. What we saw in the Georgia game uh, when Jordan Battle returned in the second half was an absolute resurgence from this team. Uh, As Saban and others have mentioned, uh, it seems that Pete Golding has simplified his scheme from throwing a lot of shadows and trying to trick the offense into thinking that they're playing one coverage but they're actually playing another. It seems to be just more man-to-man and straight-up zone now uh, just because Alabama has proven multiple times that they have the top talent. If you line up your team against their guys, they're going to win, in in Alabama's opinion, 100% of the time. So you've seen a lot of man-to-man recently. I think it'll play well into their hands once again. Uh, There's not a lot of NFL talent on this Kentucky offense. I mean, just plain and simply talking, uh, this is one of the least talented rosters that Alabama will play in terms of just NFL talent. And I think that Alabama, Pete Golding, Nick Saban, and the defense are aware of that. However, Nick Saban has always made sure to be prepared for any game, whether that's versus Western Kentucky or, you know, number two ranked Clemson. So I don't expect, and I don't think anybody else should expect any kind of gap from this Alabama defense today. It seems like they might put out another shutout like they did versus Mississippi State in their last game. Uh, Alabama has tried to make a lot of statements since playing Georgia in the first half, uh, October 17th, over a month and about five or six days ago. What we should see from this Alabama defense is a lot of pressure on the outside to contain uh, Terry Wilson, just to make sure that he stays in the pocket and they force Kentucky to try to beat Alabama with Terry Wilson's arm, which has not gone particularly well for Kentucky this season. I think that Pete Golding is going to try to overwhelm this quarterback, which obviously with Alabama's talent, it's going to be pretty easy to do. Uh, There's not a lot of great pass blockers on Kentucky's offensive line. So, once again, expect Kentucky to try anything they can to open up the game versus Alabama, but I really don't think that anything will work. But let's move into, last but certainly not least, the special teams. Coming into this game, Will Riker and the Alabama kicking team, place kicking team, is doing phenomenal. Reichert is 37 for 37 on kicks this year. He's 8 for 8 on field goals, which is a phenomenal stat. If you are an Alabama fan, you understand how that works. Alabama has struggled with a kicker for years and years and years. 
but now it seems that they've finally found their kicker in Will Reichard. However, the one problem on Alabama's special teams unit that everybody has really noticed this year, especially the analysts, is that Alabama cannot punt the football as well as other SEC teams. Currently, Alabama is averaging about 39.9 yards per punt, and that's compared to their opponent, whoever they play this season, is averaging uh, 42.1. Now, while seven yards does not seem like a big difference, uh, that could be the difference between starting on the 28 and starting on the 35. It can uh, be the difference in having a one-yard punt return or a 30-yard punt return just based on being able to get down on kick coverage or punt coverage. Uh, so I think that's one thing that Nick Saban has been really focused on this season. We've seen two punters so far this year. Uh, Saban has gone back and forth between Charlie Scott, which is J.K. Scott's little brother. J.K. Scott was a very talented punter for Alabama for four years uh, about actually four years ago, and then Sam Johnson. And quite frankly, neither of them have had the success that Saban has been hoping for. Both are averaging around 35 to 36 yards per punt. Uh, their longs are 45 and 46, respectively, uh, which is not great. Uh, it's not terrible. In their combined 16 punts, they have only had seven inside the 20, and a lot of those punts came from the opposite side of the 50, which means that they're punting that ball less than 30 to maybe 25 yards. Uh, but however, you know, there haven't been any block punts. There haven't been any big miscues on uh, punt returns and things like that. Uh, but when it comes to playing a more talented team, not this Kentucky team, but a uh, Georgia or Florida in the SEC championship again, uh, or in the college football playoff versus Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, those teams have the talent to capitalize on that, and I think that's that's something that Nick Saban is aware of and is trying to work on. So all in all, I think that Alabama has some room to improve. Uh, you know, a lot of people maybe disagree with that, but I think that, you know, nobody's perfect. So we're going to see how they do this week in terms of the punting game, and if they can finally figure out the answer to solving that, then Alabama is as close as you could get to a perfect team. But now let's move on into my personally favorite segment, the Pickums. Starting off this week, we've got Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma is indeed a seven-point favorite, even though they are ranked behind Oklahoma State. And the over-under is 59.5. Compared to years past, uh, this Oklahoma team has taken a step back they lost two early games to Kansas State and Iowa State. However, since then, I think that has been a massive wake-up call for this team and for quarterback Spencer Rattler. Uh, versus Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, and Kansas, uh, they are beating their teams on by an average of at least 20 to 25 points. And I really don't expect any different from that today. I think that Oklahoma is on fire now. Uh, they've seemed to catch their stride, and Oklahoma State is actually struggling uh, as they are coming off a huge upset loss to Texas a couple weeks ago. Uh, so definitely look for Oklahoma to be able to bring out this win. Obviously, it is the Big 12. Don't expect 
much defense when it comes to these two highly offensive talented teams. The over-under is set at 59.5, and, and personally, I think that's low. Uh, if it was a 65, 65.5 uh, over-under, I would still bet the over. So I'll take the over in this game, Oklahoma minus 7. Moving on into what most would say is the game of the week, Indiana versus Ohio State. Ohio State is the third-ranked team in the country, and they are hosting Indiana, who's ranked number nine. Ohio State is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite, and the over-under is 66-and-a-half. Now, while I think Ohio State will indeed win this game, I do not think they will cover. I am taking Indiana in the points. That's a massive spread for a top-ten matchup. I know that Indiana doesn't necessarily belong in the top ten, uh, I think this game will be closer than 20 points, however, and I definitely think that we're not going to hit that over. Uh, like I said in the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, 66 to 65 points is a massive spread, uh, and with this game being 66 and a half, I just don't see how uh, Indiana is going to have the offensive firepower to continue to keep up with Ohio State. Uh, my score prediction for this one is going to be 38 to 20. So they're going to score about 58 combined points. Indiana's going to lose by 18. Uh, so I definitely think that Ohio State has the capability to – but Indiana seems to cover the spread late. That's my sheer intuition on that game. Uh, moving on into another big uh, top 25 Big Ten matchup, we've got Wisconsin versus Northwestern. Uh, Wisconsin is a 7.5-point favorite, and the over-under is 44. Now, Wisconsin has only played two games so far this season. They've missed a couple due to COVID-19. And Northwestern is currently ranked number 19 in the country. Uh, I I really do think that Wisconsin is going to end up winning this game. Uh, I would not take the spread, though. I would take Northwestern in the points. Uh, it seems that Northwestern is always the dark horse of the Big Ten. They seem to pull out upset wins or keep games close when people least expect it. Uh, I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Northwestern team. I would definitely take plus 7.5. And, and I would also take the over. 44 is very low. These teams are not extremely offensive talented. However, just due to the fact that this is a COVID-19 season, there has not been a lot of preparation going into this season. Uh, I think that defense has suffered the most, and I think you've seen that especially with Alabama. That's my gut feeling on that is that this is going to be a sloppy game with either a lot of turnovers that turn into points or a lot of special team mishaps that end up putting offenses in good field position to score. So, like I said, Northwestern plus 7.5 over 44. Uh, last and certainly not least, before we get to the Alabama game, we've got Auburn versus Tennessee. Auburn has finally crawled its way back into the top 25, and they are a 10.5-point favorite versus Tennessee, and the over-under is 50.5. Um Auburn has seemed to struggle against almost every single team this year, um, especially the teams they are meant to beat. So I don't think they're going to cover this pretty large 10.5-point spread versus Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee has honestly done the same and struggled a lot this season. However, I definitely look for them to rebound this season versus Auburn and try to catapult themselves into a potential postseason uh, in terms of a bowl game, or just in terms of going into next season. So I think that Jeremy Pruitt, who's the head coach for Tennessee, is going to try to fire the team up to play Auburn this week. 
I still don't think that Auburn deserves to be in the top 25. It seems that they should have lost two or three games that they actually indeed won uh, just due to uh, official mistakes and lucky offensive plays. I think that Gus Malzahn could be potentially fighting for his job, and I said that earlier in the year, and Auburn did not respond well. It seems that he might be losing this locker room. There's been a lot of frustration this year coming from their quarterback, Bo Nix, and that might be due to Gus Malzahn's play-calling ability. So I definitely look definitely look for Auburn to struggle again. However, I do think they'll get the win. They will win 24-23. I would take the under on that. It's going to be an extremely tight game, but Auburn will end up coming out with the win. And the finale, Alabama versus Kentucky. Alabama is a 32-point spread. All of these odds provided by Vegas Insider. Uh, Alabama, once again, a 32-point favorite, and the over-under is 58. A lot of people like to bet against these massive spreads, but I really think that Alabama is going to be able to cover it today. Alabama has beaten its opponents by 30 points twice this season, and they have 20-point victories in two other games as well. This Alabama offense outclasses Kentucky's defense, same on the other side of the football. Um, I think that Alabama will end up winning this game 48-10. to That's a close on the over-under. Personally, I wouldn't bet the over-under, which is 58 uh, which is exactly what I'm projecting the score will be. It will be 48-10. to 10. Kentucky will probably score some garbage time points later in the game, uh, but Alabama will definitely come out with the win. Final score prediction, 48-10. to 10. I just wouldn't mess with the over-under. It's hard to do that when you have a team that is completely incapable of producing points in you know, the Kentucky Wildcats. So we'll have to wait and see on all these games, but those are my picks for the week. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Pregame Presser with Alexander Plant and Sean McDonald. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next week.